0: Welcome to How To Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence.
1: Our church calls each baptized Catholic to share the faith. But what if you don't know how? Where would you start? And what would the end goal be? These are the questions that Kevin answers in his new book called Becoming an Everyday Disciple in a Post-Christian World.
0: On today's podcast, we discuss my newly released book. Along the way, we'll share the story behind the book, give you a preview of each of the five weeks, share some fun endorsements, and give you an update on our lives. So let's get started. Lisa, do you know what today is? We haven't talked about this yet.
1: What today is? Yeah. No, I don't. It's Sunday.
0: It's Sunday? Yes.
1: Wait, October 28th?
0: Correct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. Happy anniversary.
0: (laughs) 15 years ago, I asked you on a date. this date and it just occurred to me this evening and clearly didn't occur to you before this evening (laughs) but hey a lot's changed in 15 years but uh one question can change a lifetime huh
1: oh my gosh i am so baby brained right now (laughs) i can't even function it it's i really probably shouldn't even like be podcasting for the next two months because my brain is so
0: this is your brain um, on a baby Yeah, so anyways, glad I asked you that question, and glad you said yes. Me too. Yeah, so anyways, I just thought I'd start off the podcast that way, because it's fun.
1: Yep, yeah. Wow, Um, 15 years ago. That's like a monumental anniversary. I'm glad we're uh, really living it up. (laughs) Really living it up here.
0: Our, Our date tonight, as we record this podcast. Here it is. Here it is. beautiful all
1: right okay so um there's an easy transition right here easy transition um kevin wrote a new book (laughs) 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 it's true yeah which gosh it's so crazy because you you wrote the book like a year and a half ago i feel like when you started writing it Mm -hmm. but then like it took a long time to get published like (laughs) <laughs> not not because people rejected it. You you found a publisher right away. That sounded like... Yeah, I, I knew what anyways, it sounded like. It's just the process took mm. longer than the other four books that we've done.
0: Because all those were like not regular schedule. This book was the only one out of the five that's been like the regular schedule where it's like you finish the book... And everything's ready to go a year beforehand. That's what publishers like to do.
1: Yeah. And the other four books, the three you wrote on your own and then the one we wrote together were all like rush delivery books because Correct. of the timing of something. This is the only one that wasn't based like on a crazy deadline. So anyways, it's kind of easy to forget. It's kind of like you're, when you have like, you know, your fourth kid, it's like, oh, another kid. <laughs> oh, this anniversary.
0: Um, oh, we have a baby. Yeah. book. Whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But that's so not the reality. This yeah. book is so important. In fact, I remember when you first... When we first had the conversation about how it was time for you to write this book, we were going through kind of a like an inventory of mm. what are we spending our time on? What are our projects coming up? What are the most important things we need to be doing? And this book, which you've talked about for years, came up, and I remember <laughs> you said... Here's the deal. If I only had six months left to live, I would want to spend time with my family and I would want to write this book. And I was like, okay, so that's going on the list. <laughs> like apparently that one's important. So so do you remember that conversation? Now I do. Okay. Yeah, it's would you not, verify I'm not crazy? Back.
0: No, you're not you're not Yeah. You're not crazy. Nope. That was yeah. that's what I said.
1: Yeah, so it was pretty important that this book finally get written. And it's crazy that we ended up doing four more books before your first book idea was published.
0: Yeah, I've been wanting to write this probably since 2008, 2009. Yeah, like yeah, a so decade. That's ten, yeah, that's 10 years. So yeah. it's been a long time in, the coming, in coming. Yeah, One we just
1: coming. got interjected four other books before then. Mm-hmm. So this book, we should probably <laughs> name it. Yeah. The book is called... That's it. That's the name
0: of the book. <laughs> It's, it's funny because it sounds funny, but it's easy to remember. <laughs>
1: the name of the book is called. It's called yeah, it's, called. It's called
0: called. <laughs> I'm glad you have so much fun with it. I do. But there's a subtitle too. Yes. Which helps you understand what the book is called. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Why don't you give the subtitle? Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. It's called. <laughs> the book is called Becoming an Everyday Disciple in a Post-Christian World, A Five-Week Guide.
1: Yes, yeah, so we kind of stuck with what we did with dating detox, where we mm-hmm. did the forty day. This is five week, five less days, um, and it just, just it we got such tremendous feedback on that format of you're reading a chapter a day for a set amount of days. Mm-hmm. And so our last book that we wrote together, dating detox, was on conviction for dating. This is on conviction for evangelization.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I feel like—and some of the inspiration behind the book is that our church calls us as baptized Christians to evangelize. And I think to most Catholics, they go, oh, that's interesting, and then they just kind of move on because it doesn't, like, doesn't compute for them. They're like, I don't know how I would do that or what that looks like or why. It's kind of just this thing that we say— but most people don't stop and actually realize, well, what would that look like to train people? Or what would that look like to walk someone through that? Or what would it look like to actually help someone go from just learning about that concept to actually put it into action? So that's what the book is all about is is a five-week guide. And it just walks you through five different weeks from the very beginning of what you need to begin to evangelize to towards the end and and learning how to even to teach others to evangelize as well. So Hopefully in five weeks, uh, I take the reader on that journey.
1: Yeah. So what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through, each week has a theme. So we're going to walk through these these five weeks, or we're going to call them steps, to becoming an everyday disciple. But before you, if you pick up the book, before you even get to those weeks, every book has what's called a forward, And we have a pretty cool forward writer, friend of ours who you've known for about a decade now. So about the time mm-hmm. you started wanting to write this book is when we met this person. Mm-hmm. And his name is Father Mike Schmitz. And he's the coolest.
0: He is the coolest.
1: You probably know who he is. He's the guy who does all the YouTubes. Anyways. On the internet. <laughs> on the internet, on the interweb. Um, yeah, so right on the cover, there's a little quote from Father Mike Schmitz. that says, you hold a treasure in your hands. Um, so Father Mike Schmitz was just awesome about supporting the book and his encouragement and everything that goes into it. Um, so, yeah, if for nothing else, you want to get it because Father Mike wrote the foreword. So, you know, hey, he's <laughs> he's the best. You can't see us. We're making faces at each other. Anyways. Um,
0: I realized... Throughout this podcast I've had some difficulties in like some of our exchanges and I was trying to figure out why and I realized you pause and so a lot of times when you pause I think it's my turn, but I realized you just have to breathe because you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. So I get confused. I'm like, wait, is it my turn to speak? Or mm-hmm. do you just need to take a big breath? No. That's what I I'm dealing with on this end, but that's a lot that's a lot of uh lungs. A lot easier on my end than a baby on yours. So I mm-hmm. just wanted to go into yeah. that.
1: Yes, so the foreword's by Father Mike Schmitz, and he says some very complimentary things in it, and we are so grateful for his support of the book. We also got a really cool um, non-solicited endorsement of the book this week, which I was so excited about. So our Archbishop...
0: Samuel Aquila.
1: Samuel Aquila, yes. Um, He follows like seven people on Twitter, (laughs) and Kevin's one of them. And we just, we love that fact. Like it's,
0: it's tremendous. It's just
1: such a fun fact. So he tweeted the other day that he just finished day one of call and will be reading the other 34 days and is excited to dive into it, something like that. But it was just pretty sweet to be like, oh, thanks, Archbishop.
0: I mean, how cool! I was like made my week. There's a lot of things that are good about my week, but that made my week just to know like your own Archbishop's like, hey, I'm reading your book. And not just like tells you that but publicly states it on Twitter that he's reading your book and that he's doing it day by day. I don't know. That's just, that's a heck of a thing. So yeah, really fun.
1: So I don't know who better to endorse the book than our own Bishop and Father McSchmitz. If they're pumped about the book, we want you to be pumped about the book too. So let's dive in. Five steps to becoming an everyday disciple. So tell us, uh, Kevin, step one, where do we start in this process? I think it'll help clarify the book a bit too.
0: Yeah. So step one is encounter and, and encounter is so important with our Lord because um, it's really the concept is you can't give what you don't have. And so when most people think about evangelization, they're like, I don't know what I would say, or I don't know what I would do. And sometimes it's a simple matter of training, like, oh, here's how to do that or here's how to say that. But many times it's a person hasn't actually encountered Jesus in a way that's made a profound impact on their life. And so they actually don't re- understand the gift they've received in that it's so tremendous that they would need to give that gift away. And so we don't want to just try to get people to, um, it's like you can't steer a parked car. You don't want to just tell people like, go tell people about Jesus. In reality, like if people have a encounter with Jesus that profoundly changes their life, they won't be able to not tell people about Jesus. Like it won't be an obstacle. It won't be like, oh, like um, I need to figure out how to tell people. You'll just, just like you see a great movie or something amazing happened to you, you'll just go out and tell your friends those things.
1: I think that's honestly the biggest hindrance to our evangelizing is we're not convicted that we have the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, well, I don't need to share it or it's personal or it's private. And there is a personal aspect to it, of course, to your faith, right? But we very much don't recognize the gift that we've been given. And so we don't see the need to share it. And yeah, so it is like, oh, like you you hear that analogy, especially a lot like at high school rallies and stuff, you know, like, well, when you go see a great movie, you tell your friends about it. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, because it's a great movie, but most teens aren't like, well, like Jesus is the best thing ever. (laughs) So they're not going to tell their friends about it. So I think that's kind of the first step is a real gut check to ourselves is asking, do you really believe this? Like, Mm -hmm. have we really encountered our Lord enough to – to be convicted in the last thing he tells us to do, which is the great commission—to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations.
0: Yeah, and so rather than starting off the book and saying, "Here's how you evangelize," it's more so, "Hey, can just the book helps facilitate an encounter with, you with the, with our Lord, just with the reader? You know, no matter where you're at, whether you still need that encounter, you still need to give your life over to Jesus. Whether you've done that for many years, we all need to continually encounter and re-encounter our Lord. And so th- that's what the first week's all about is just to give ourselves some time to just really encounter our Lord and uh, hopefully a profound way through uh, each of those seven days of the first week.
1: Yeah. And I love how it's very heavy on story, which is very much like Diddy Detox talks too. Mm-hmm. Um, we just very much believe in the power of story and you hear some great stories that most people aren't aware of, with the lives of the saints and with the lives you know, the history of the church and things um, to illustrate that. And I I love that story is threaded throughout this book as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you look at the lives of the saints, the lives of the apostles, they're having a profound encounter with Jesus. They don't just wake up and become saints. Something happened in their life that caused them to do that. And so why would we be any different? So that's what the book runs after.
1: Great. All right. So first step is this encounter, just the conviction that, Yeah, actually, I do have something worth sharing, and I do desire to share it as opposed to just being afraid of it or thinking, well, I don't know, it's good, but it's not great, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so step two then, week two, is titled Disciple. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so I think a, a great way to look at this is just at Jesus' original disciples, right? So they encounter Jesus. They have an encounter with him Different disciples do that in different ways, and we look at that in week one. But then those those disciples don't just have that one encounter. They actually decide to follow Jesus. And I think we talk a lot about being a disciple of Jesus or following Jesus, but many times we don't actually look at what did it mean for a disciple to follow his rabbi in a Jewish culture? Like when that word is used, disciple, in the Gospels, what did that actually mean as opposed to sometimes what we think it means. And so for uh, the Jewish culture, uh, their whole culture is based off of knowing scripture, and they had a way of carrying on this teaching scripture is through a rabbi teaching his disciples. And the disciples' goal was to follow, they'd actually live with the rabbi, they'd follow the rabbi around, and they'd do everything that the rabbi did. And the whole goal was that one day that they become like the rabbi and that they could teach Jewish scripture to you know a community into to people that they met. And so coming in with that idea, after we have this encounter with Jesus, we're actually going to follow after Jesus, and not just um, follow him, but actually learn to become like him. And so uh, the Jewish people had this uh, this phrase or this blessing, and it was uh, that you'd be covered uh, in the dust of your rabbi, meaning that you'd follow your rabbi so closely around that the dust from his sandals would actually kick up and it would just cover you because you're so um, adamant about just trying to follow your rabbi so you could see everything that he did and that you could imitate him in every single way. So that's what week two is all about is after we have this encounter, how do we become like Jesus Um, and and just follow him more closely?
1: Yeah. And you give some great examples of like, well, how did Jesus pray? Like, how Mm -hmm. did, how did Jesus serve? How did Jesus live his life? Like, that's what we imitate. Um, I think, and I love that you spend so much time on these initial steps so it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, like, oh, here's just like a how to, like, it, you get to the how tos, but I like that you like first start with like heavy on the vision, which is what we do on the podcast too. Like, mm-hmm. it's important to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and transform our own lives first before we try to like go off and, and, Save the world isn't quite the right word because we don't need to do that. Yeah. It's not our job. It, but. Gets,
0: it gets really weird when you don't have these steps and try to evangelize. Things get really weird because ultimately people need Jesus and you need to become like Jesus in order to give him to others. So mm-hmm. if we're going to do that in a personal way, like. Mm-hmm. No, not to say we have to be perfect, not to be have to say like, oh, now I am like Jesus. I can now evangelize. That's that's definitely not true. But at least these initial steps and in starting them and going after them and pursuing them are really needed as we begin and and think about evangelizing others.
1: And I think too then it helps like your pursuits to be out of love, not out of I'm right or out of I wanna win or I wanna change you, but you know, it's like, no, 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 I genuinely want to share Christ with you because I love you and I'm convicted in my own heart of this. And I do think that it's going to lead to your happiness and it's going to lead to that peace and joy that you've been seeking.
0: Totally. Couldn't have said it better.
1: Ah, oh, thanks. All right. Let's, let's throw the Catholic hack in. Time for Catholic hack let's here. Let's do it. Our Catholic hack this week is another liturgically timed hack. So the month of November is coming up. Last week, we talked about putting out pictures of uh your loved ones throughout the month to really remembering to pray for them during the month of holy souls. And so this week we have Halloween, of course, which is the eve of All Saints Day. Mm. So first of all, don't forget to go to church. Yeah. That's a solemnity and it's a required holy day of obligation or a, a holy s- day
0: of opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's what the cool priests say. <laughs> um which
0: is anyways.
1: Yeah. So here's our hack for this week that fits with this week. Our hack is to write your own litany of saints. So on all saints day, that is a great day to pray a litany of saints. I'm pretty sure. Do we do it at mass on that day? I feel like we, we should, if we don't, that'd be kind of silly.
0: I agree with you. I don't know if, yeah, do don't know we, if do we do, do. it. And that we should, we
1: do it on the vigil Easter vigil. Um, I'm sure liturgically there's other times you do it. But the idea behind this hack is, you know, we want the saints interceding in our lives and praying for us. And a simple way to do that and to remember that is to take some time to write your own litany of saints. So you can use the formula at the beginning and at the end that the church uses, but then in the middle, it's just the church's list, you know, like Saint whoever pray for us, Saint whoever pray for us. Well, what we're suggesting the hack here is to create a list of those saints that are important to you and write your own litany of saints that you can type out. You could even get fancy and put it on, you know, make it like a actual graphic in Canva and frame it and put it on your, in your prayer space in your house. Or you could put it, uh, frame it up on the wall. Or if you're really fancy, you could get somebody cool to do it in calligraphy for you from Etsy or something Commission an artist to do it. Uh, so either for you personally or for your family and just write out what are all the important saints in my life? Who are those important saints that I have a special connection with, whether that be namesakes, whether that be, you know, who you chose for your confirmation saint, or maybe their family names, or maybe their important feast days because of events that happened in your life, so on and so forth. And just to write out your own personal litany of saints that you can use To call upon the saints to intercede for you, especially this month.
0: You know, I was just thinking when we weren't dating yet, but we were close to dating, we would run together. Mm -hmm. That's how we started dating. We were training for a marathon together Mm -hmm. and you would do a litany of saints before we would run. Mm -hmm. I think we'd say a prayer and you'd do a litany of saints if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. Just to, you know, not die during the run. So
0: I'm trying to remember, don't we have our dating story in one of our episodes? trying to remember what what that was
1: i think so have we
0: i really think so Uh,
1: yeah well there's a lot
0: of there's a lot of episodes to look through to try to find it
1: we'll put it in the show notes if we do how's that
0: i think that's fair or else we could spend a long time me scrolling through episodes
1: trying to figure out if we've done it i know we're almost like 70 some episodes in so it's hard to remember all of them Mm -hmm. okay you ready to move on I think so. All right. So we have gone through the first two steps, the first two weeks of Kevin's new book, Called. <laughs> called, Called. <laughs> called, Called. Called, Called. So we talked about first we got to encounter our Lord. Then we need to learn how to, like, to be a disciple of our Lord. How do, we, how do we follow after him? And then in week three, you give some vision. So what is, what is that about?
0: Awesome. The vision is all about, I just found the episode. We're going to move on. Uh, the vision is all about, um, I think just having a vision for evangelization is so key because I think many times people get stuck on the first two steps. They're like, oh, I had an encounter with Jesus. I've learned to follow him. And then when it comes to evangelization, they're like, oh yeah, that thing. Like, I don't know if that's for me or maybe I'm not that kind of Catholic. And, and so I think it's really important to look at this. And the way I like to do it is look at um, the different groups that were in Jesus' lifetime so the Jews don't want to get into too much history here but were overruled by different nations at different times in the time of Jesus uh, they're ruled by the Romans before that the Greeks and uh, through being against kind of being captive and having these overlords these four types of groups emerge from the Jews uh, kind of four different reactions to being overtaken by this kind of power that uh, that was at being So the first group was the Essenes, and the Essenes were kind of monk-like. They went off into the the wilderness, and they just wanted to be left alone. They tried to kind of set up their own uh, Jewish uh, sect, Um, and they just said, we're going to forget the world, forget Jerusalem, and just kind of do our own thing out in the wilderness.
1: So they made like a holy huddle and said, we're out.
0: Peace. The second group was the Zealots, and the Zealots were really um, into violence, and the way that they wanted to re- react to the powers that be was to try to violently overthrow them. And so even some of Jesus' apostles were zealots. And uh, that was a, a big thing at that time was, hey, what it means to be a good Jew is to actually try to overthrow the Romans. So um, that's why Peter like busts out a sword and cuts off the slave's ear because he's ready to fight.
1: Taking up arms.
0: That's right. So that's the second. Option two. So first one's
1: run away. Second one's take up arms.
0: The third one was the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were, um, they were a a ruling class. And they often work with the Romans. And uh, quite honestly, they kind of gave in to the culture. So instead of running away or fighting it, they said, hey, why don't we just kind of figure out how to not get killed and to get along with the Romans. But in doing so, they gave away a lot of their faith. And the people who were the Sadducees and they ruled over the people, often um, while they were Jewish in name, they really gave in uh, with their morals and their faith. And and they still claimed to have faith, but didn't actually live it out. So those were the Sadducees.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of, call them, they were like the, they kind of like sold out.
0: Yeah, there's the sellouts. Sellouts, yeah. Yep. And then the fourth one were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees is the one we probably are more most familiar with. We hear them a lot in the gospel. Jesus talks to them a lot in the gospel. And Jesus is actually very similar to a Pharisee. We'll get to the difference here in a minute. But the Pharisees, um, while the Essenes kind of had their holy huddle and they left uh, civilization and went out in the wilderness, the Pharisees were all about having this huddle and this inclusive group of people who followed the rules and... Um, but to do that within society. And so they're still in the Roman Empire, they're still in the city, they're still in Jerusalem, uh, but they're very much, hey, if you follow uh, the teachings, then we'll talk to you. And if you don't, then we're going to exclude you.
1: So they've always been pegged as like the judgmental people.
0: Correct. That's correct, and so as we look at these four groups and these four different types of actions, a lot of times we can look at our own lives as Christians and see which am I the most like? Am I someone who's like, hey, I just want to avoid society like the scenes? Um, am I just gonna be like the zealots, like I'm very, um, like, uh, violent? Is most Christian? You know, most people don't think Christians are violent, but like the way we talk about people, are we rude? Are we mean? Are we? Um, A troll on Twitter. Yeah, we're a troll on Twitter. Are we just like trying to win the argument but not actually help someone? Are we not charitable? Like we just love truth instead of, um, yeah, instead of loving. Are we like the Sadducees? Like we encounter the world and we are like, hey, some of this stuff's kind of good. I'm just going to give in. Or am I the Pharisees? Like, hey, I'm only going to hang out in the the holy huddle, like in this bubble of Catholics, and I don't really want to go outside that because if if you don't get it, like you're just not going to get it. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So they're still like in the world and they're trying to work within the system. Mm -hmm. They don't completely run away like the Essenes. But at the same time, yeah, they come across as judgmental because they're like, well, you're not good enough.
0: Yeah. And I feel like as Christians, all of us fall into one or actually more of these. I know it's really easy, especially folks who become Christian. They can very quickly look like the Pharisees, where they're like, hey, only the people to have it right, um, those are the only people I talk to, those are the only people I hang out with. And the thing about Jesus is that amidst all these four different groups, Jesus picks a different way. He decides not to react the way that they did, but instead he says, you know, the whole goal of God's mission throughout all of salvation history is that we would not be against the Romans or the Greeks or whoever's over you know, overseeing us, uh, we're actually called to love them and to provide salvation for them. And so we're not called to run away from them, we're not called to be like them, we're not called to be violent against them, and we're not called to just have this holy huddle. What we're actually called to do is to bring them salvation. And so as Catholics, just having that vision, I think really helps um, our understanding of evangelization is that we can't have those different types of reactions and still be like Jesus, because Jesus, even though he was amidst a really hostile culture, very hostile to the Jewish faith, he said, "You know what? I am called to love these people and to share with them God's news, and um, and not to have the, a lot of the reactions that were going on in his day."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm called to be salt and light, like that. That was the whole point, like from the beginning of time. Like, hey, Jews, like you're the chosen people, like not for yourselves, for like for the sake of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, you're supposed to bring me to them. Yeah. And Jesus is like, okay, here I am. Like, I had to come myself. Like, we're finally gonna get there.
0: Yeah, and I think <clears throat> at the center of this is, uh, just to provide a familiar example of Jesus' attitudes, that, you know, the story of the prodigal son, the older son and the younger son. And, you know, Jesus is there in that story, modeling, um, He he's the father of those two sons in that story. And a lot of times as Catholics, we can be like that older son who, you know, it's like, Hey, I've done everything right. Like this, you know, this other brother of mine or person in my life, they're off and they don't love Jesus. And, and Jesus is really there to say, no, we're actually called to love that person. Um, and we're supposed to even run out to them when they start running back uh, home, just like that prodigal son. So um, I just think it's really great to um, see the see the world the way that Jesus does. That's a big theme of the book, especially in this week three is just, do I actually see the world the way that Jesus does? When I look at people, when I look at situations, like do I have his vision? And if I do, what does that mean? And how does that affect my life and what I do and and what I say and, and yeah, how I live.
1: Awesome. So after we've gotten the vision for how do we, how do we encounter people like Jesus did? How do we, how do we love them and preach the gospel like Jesus did basically? Yeah. yeah. Now we get real practical. Step four, equipped because that's where people are going, okay, I want to do it. I, I, I feel like I'm called to do it. I, I, I know I'm called to do it. I know how Jesus did it, but uh, can we get practical? And that's what you do in week four.
0: Yeah. So walk through a lot of different topics. So anything from, all right, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to be in my life to help me evangelize? What does it look like when I'm fearful and I need courage and fortitude? Um, How can I use friendship? How can I use community to help evangelize other people? How can I learn to tell um, my own story about how God's, maybe I've encountered God or what that looks like? How do I learn how to tell God's story Um, and just outline in a simple way um, so people can understand what the good news is. So just trying to cover a lot of different topics. Again, this is chapter is all about being equipped um, and so it's just saying what what are the things and the tools and the the mindsets that can help us be equipped to to learn how to evangelize.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think mean, a lot of that has come from our eleven years in focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you did this for eleven years, quote professionally. Yeah. And so it's really just putting all that down from experiences and knowledge and what you've learned over the years and all of that. So yep, grateful for that time for sure. And Grateful to share it. So, okay, we are on to step five. Week five then is disciple makers. What's that about?
0: Yeah, this is probably the most advanced step. That's why it's in week five. But it's the whole idea that we are called to evangelize. That's what we're supposed to do as Catholics. But it makes sense that as we evangelize other people, that we actually help them learn how to evangelize as well, right? Because if they get baptized or if they're already baptized and they're coming to faith in a deeper way, they too are called to evangelize others. And so the way that most people learn how to evangelize um, is actually through other people. And that's a big thing with the book is that, um, and I mentioned this in the introduction, is it's not just a book to teach you how to evangelize. You actually should read it with somebody else or read it with someone else who's teaching you how to evangelize because it's really learned through someone's life. And so, yeah, this this week and this last step is all about how do I just pass on the faith to others in a way that actually raises people up to pass them on. And so give examples from my own life, give examples from the life of John Paul II, uh, St. Paul, just to show that this is a very natural progression in the Catholic life as people come to faith that they learn and we teach them how to pass on the faith to others.
1: Because that's, I mean, ultimately, like that's what's necessary is, what's that analogy? Like if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish... Feed them for a lifetime, but if you teach a man how to teach other people how to fish,
0: you solve world hunger. And it's true. I think um, in, a, in a digital age where we have the internet, it's like, oh, the internet can evangelize people. And there's definitely a place for that. But ultimately, the way I'm truly convicted that evangelization will take place is person to person. And not uh, the internet, not institutions. Um, it's really a army of people that can reach out to other people. And that's really what the church is taught us all along that's what Jesus taught us all along that each one of us as we come to faith we have to share that with others that's really the only way um that it seems to make sense to me that the whole world can hear about Jesus is that we just have millions and even eventually billions of people who can share the faith with others it's so crucial um and at the same time it's um hard to learn to know how and that's why that's why I wrote the book
1: it's why you wrote the book and I'm I'm glad that it's done because now you don't have anything you need to do before you die. So I don't think so. Maybe we need to have another one of those conversations.
0: <laughs> At this point in time, Lisa, we're just, you know, getting this house in order and and uh ready to welcome our fourth child and that's that's all I'm really worried about.
1: Yes. Yeah, so just a quick update on that. We are four weeks out from finishing the remodel and five weeks out from my due date. So We're hoping that this baby is uh, not early or else there won't be any carpet in our house and uh, among other things. So if you could just keep us in your prayers during this time as we are just trying to keep our heads above water here. It's true. It's it's really just, yeah, let's be real. All right. So the how-to challenge for this week is to... Hop on at Amazon.com, we'll put a the link there, and there is a preview of the book. And so our challenge for you is just to get on and read. You can get the introduction, um, yeah, the forward the introduction in the first two days, just to get a feel for the book, for what it is that, that Kevin's going after. His It's very easy to read, it's not, it's it's deep, but it's not like so heady that you get bored. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's a good solid read. And I'm not just saying that because I'm married to Kevin. Um, so that is our challenge. We'll put a link there, check it out. And, um, you know, I'd also like to challenge you to get a copy, pick it up and do it yourself. Um, I think that that would be worth your time and a great thing to be doing during your prayer time for 35 days to be reading the book and, convicted on evangelization and learn how absolutely awesome all right well that is our show for today thanks for listening in if you want to connect with us our email is hello at made to magnify.com or you can find us on twitter and instagram at kevin r cotter or at lisa ann cotter and with no e as always if you enjoy the show Please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. This is how we get the word out about How To Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.